This is the Recruitment Rollercoaster Podcast. My name is Hisham Azuz, and this is the show where I bring to life the true failures, the true successes, and the true learnings from recruiters and recruitment business owners globally. This podcast is now sponsored and supported by Hunted. Hunted is one of the best places on the internet for recruitment content. Of course, one of the reasons why I decided to partner with them is crucially, we share a common goal to help recruiters get better at their jobs. Hunted write about everything you can need in your career, from productivity hacks to helping your time management to TED Talks and reading lists. They offer in-depth insights into worldwide destinations and, of course, there's everyone's favorite recruitment wolf, Mr. Ed Hunter, who's not quite as scary in real life, but that is a story for another time. If you haven't yet checked out Hunted's content, you will not be disappointed. Welcome to the Recruitment Rollercoaster podcast. My name is Hisham Azuz, and today I'm joined by James Visor, who is the director of Rural Recruitment. Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you for joining me, mate. Pleasure. I've been really looking forward to this. So have I. You are like a, I don't know, a recruitment celebrity now. And when I saw you, I was almost like, oh, <laughs> I've seen you on, on LinkedIn quite a few times. Now, <laughs> now you're in the flesh. So, uh, yeah, exciting. Definitely not a celebrity, mate. <laughs> well. But um, why, why I was excited because if I think pff, I haven't had like a, I haven't had someone that, I mean, you've done Rec to Rec for how long? Uh, it'll be 16 years next year. Yeah, exactly. So, I, I mean, that's, that is mental. Yeah. Like, and I haven't, I haven't had someone sort of from a sort of ret to ret perspective for a while and I just think it's such a you have such you're in such a unique position to like just actually be honest around what you're seeing what you're not seeing do you know what I mean um and I think that's so valuable for um people listening so um before we sort of uncover the 16 years of ret to ret life how did uh you get into the, the world of recruitment, mate? Well, unlike most people who fell into it, um, I actually wanted to go into it from about the age of 18. Um, one of my parents' friends, they had a uh, daughter who was, what, about 22, 23, working in Leeds. Okay. Uh, and she was earning 80 grand a year. Really? And I was like, okay, I'm not an academic. I'm certainly not going to be a doctor or a vet or a lawyer, but I wouldn't mind earning 80 grand a year. So yeah. ever since I kind of found out about that, I just wanted to be a recruiter. Um <laughs> which is why I told my parents wasn't too fussed on getting good results. Because <laughs> really? at the time, being a recruiter, uh, as long as you could speak and have a bit of banter with someone and you know, you were hardworking, you were going to be successful. You're right. Yeah. So where did you grow up? Grew up in the Cotswolds. Uh, oh, nice. Yeah, I went to boarding school in Birmingham. Um, then, went to boarding school? Yeah, I did. Oh, wow. How's that? Do you know what? First year was pretty horrific. Yeah, that must have been Be- hard. Being and a, how old was you? 11. Yeah, first hey, year was... That's been hard. I always think... <clears throat> When I, do you know what I mean? Do you know what? I, I really wanted to go because my parents had a really messy divorce. Fair and um, yeah, first year I would say it was hard. I came from a very rural, you know, local school and I, I joined and I, I was, had masses of ginger hair and 
a rotund stomach and so really? I was called fat orange for the first year and I didn't particularly like it standard, <laughs> standard. prepared me for a, a sales floor of banterous environment but um it's not I, like ginger now though mate it's more like African People sunset can't really now see, yeah it's not, gin, it's well, not that ginger at all what's left of it although when you whatsapp me and you know you've got those little what they're called like mojis or whatever they're called he's definitely ginger yeah I think that's quite a realistic emoji <laughs> my, my, my son, it's actually good <clears> isn't it my son points to it and says daddy so uh, yeah I've, uh, <laughs> I, I, I think I've nailed it but yeah I, do you know what as soon as I kind of got to a level where I started playing sport basically and you know you started excelling at sport I, I just really loved boarding school and it uh, yeah it, it gave was me a rugby water. I was, yeah. I can't proclaim to be the best rugby player, but yeah, I was all right. So, <laughs> fair enough, mate. No, just interested in that because, like, I don't know, like, how many mates? It's hard, isn't it? How many mates you have when you get plonked in Birmingham and you go to school there? Yeah, none. But everyone was in the same situation. Yeah, okay. I just think, you know, uh, I just taught me such an amazing, you know, skill set away from academia. It was more about how you handled yourself. I think. Obviously, school. you're on your own at that age. That's decent. Yeah, it's tough. Like, it's I lived at home until I was twenty. Well, t- until last year. Wow. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And like, and then the, my only other experience of that was when I, wor- I worked abroad for two summers. We'll call it Mallorca, but it was Magaluf. And, um, <laughs> Most of the time you wouldn't know what you were ending. Up yeah, exactly. Anyway, so. But like that was, and that was the only other time that I was sort of away from parents and at home. So I think that must definitely have taught you some stuff. Yeah. I, I think resilience is a really big factor for me. Mm. Um, you know, I can have endless dropouts and yeah, of course it annoys me and, and like anyone, but it's just that ability to kind of push it to one side and just crack on with what's in front of me. And I yeah, think that's yeah. kind of prepared me really well for a career in recruitment because it doesn't matter how good you are or, you know, how long you've been doing, you're always going to get those knockbacks. So yeah, yeah I, I, I love boarding school. It gave me a really good start in life and I'm very fortunate enough to have yeah, uh, you know, gone. So you found out that you could earn quite a bit of money in recruitment. Yeah. What was the approach to get into recruitment then? How, <laughs> tell me that story. So one of my friends, um, his uh, brother's best friend uh, was, um, you know, a really decent recruiter and had recently set up a rec to rec and um, mentioned he was looking. He said that I was interested. So uh, the chap gave me a call when I was at uni one day, wasn't kind of expecting it. Phone rang on my bed, answered, hello. <laughs> and uh, he said, oh, you, you know, you want to get into recruitment? And um, I, I had a kind of 10 minute interview and he's like, right, you've got the job. I was like, cool, fantastic. So uh, th- that was about it, really. And you was at uni at this point? I was at uni, yeah. What was you doing? Uh, not much, really. <laughs> I, 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 what were you studying? I, I, I was studying business studies. Um, oh, yeah. I, when, at school, I, I applied to go to Cardiff. And um, the main reason behind that was the Rugby World Cup, 99 Rugby, yeah. Rugby World Cup was happening yeah. that year. Okay. And um, I put UIC at the time, it's Cardiff Met now, but UIC at the time as Dan as my second. I was predicting the grades to get in, but I was more fussed about playing rugby and showing parents around the school. <laughs> so I came out with shocking A-levels, which oh, meant I went to basically Cardiff Poly. Um, and, you know, whereas I'm there kind of, uh, you know, hammering graduates nowadays, like why they, you know, had a privileged upbringing, <laughs> did really badly in their A-levels. I was, yeah, sadly one of those people. So it was always, you know, I wanted to go in sales. I, you know, I, I was always quite good at building rapport with people. And I kind of thought, yeah, that's, definitely something for me drop out of uni then no i didn't drop out i did fail my first no i failed my first year oh wow uh which was fairly horrific um i actually kind of at that time was working in a pub for some holidays when i got my grades and i called my dad and said look you know basically i failed i've screwed up and i got offered a managerial position in the pub i was working in and the you know position paid 12 grand a year and i i was working the shift that night after getting offered and 
I kind of went out to the uh, garden to my dad and basically called him in tears and said, look, dad, I, I, that's not for me. I just don't want to do it. Like, if I promise to commit, um, you know, can I go back to uni? And luckily my dad said yes. And I went back to uni. I was slightly harder working, still came out of a tutu, but <laughs> so after four years of... As mentioned. Yeah, uh, but yeah, uni is great fun. I, I don't think university is all about what you come out with a kind of oh, like totally. grade. It's more about, you know, just how much I learned, how much I put myself out there. These societies are joined. And that's kind of interestingly what I look for in a candidate, especially at the junior end. It's really? all those kind of extracurricular things because I probably can't relate to the academia side. So, um, yeah. No, that, that, no, it's really interesting you say that. And just, just on that point, I, so I... I didn't go to university, had no idea what I wanted to do. So I was like, you know what? Nah, I'm not going to go because if I don't know what to do. My brother, the younger brother on the other hand, he's um, in, uh, he went to UCL. He's in those, he's doing his like placement year and like he's like full on acad like the academia world. Like it's just mental, like totally different to what I'm about. But I couldn't agree more. The conversations and the friends that I've had that have gone into university, it's all the conversation I always have is more about the people that they met, the relationships that they made, the um like you just said the extra things that they ended up getting involved in that they really enjoyed and actually more of the experience of them finding out more about themselves and being away from their sort of comfortable environment at home and stuff that tends to be the conversation rather than i got a 2-1 do you know what i mean so i totally get that yeah definitely although that has changed a lot so when our guys at rural uh, interview graduates, one of the first things we kind of focus on is, you know, the academia side. And if a candidate gets a 2-2, two -two, um, I mean, give you a bit of history, I've placed three people a third and I've placed over a thousand people in the recruitment industry. So like- You've placed over a thousand people in the yeah, recruitment? I've got a little black book of every single person I've ever placed. Really? Yeah, yeah. That's mental. Yeah. And only three have ever got thirds. And they've had amazing stories and they've had a cracking personalities. But if it wasn't for that, you know, they wouldn't have got a job. So today- people place such an emphasis on doing well at university. And I think yeah. that's, uh, you know, a lot of people say, look, um, if you didn't, you know, I was described, would have been described at Lazy University, and, yeah. you know, rightfully so. But when I first started in Rec to Rec, you could have a tutu from average university, play, you know, football for a Sunny Lee team. And if you could speak, you got a job in recruitment. <laughs> and then in 2008, when the credit crunch happened, there was a big adjustment in, you know, what was the typical hiring strategy of companies. And suddenly... Yeah you know, business, you know, law wasn't hiring, banking wasn't hiring. And so you had these incredibly talented, uh, highly academic uh, students graduating, couldn't go into their first choice kind of uh, industries. And so they were falling into recruitment. Wow. And ever since then, I think there's been a, a you know, if I'm honest, an unrealistic ex expectation of, you know, what the market can deliver on mass. That's really interesting. So... Okay then, <clears throat> so how? So just just to help frame it up so everyone understands, worked in rec to rec for sixteen years. Yeah. What kind of sixteen years? Obviously, um, and then obviously um, started rule. How long did you start rule? Um, so rule's been going coming up to almost five years. So five years. yeah, pr and prior to that, I had eleven years experience working for another rec to rec SW six. Yeah, cool. So um, and then uh, rule. What do you do now? So is it so is it grads and experience hires? Or? So our bread and butter as an agency is very much kind of the grad hire. You know, if, if someone came to us with a, a mandate for, you know, trying to fill a graduate or 10 graduates, I'd be really confident we can do that. Um, however, uh, me personally kind of place people more like director, managing director level. So more um, senior level. Yes, yeah, so we kind of cover the whole spectrum. Um, but yeah, and, and that's kind of across uh, UK and overseas. But the majority of our business is kind of conducted in London. Okay. 
and it's predominantly grads into recruitment businesses. Yeah, well, that, that is changing. There's a lot of second jobbers in there. Yeah, uh, yeah. So more kind of like... So more someone that's got into recruitment, year experience, maybe a bit less or... Y- yeah. I, I mean, candidates king in this market. So if we have a candidate with three years experience, we can place them. We've got a candidate with five years experience, we can place them. Um, so it's really what comes through a door to an extent. Yeah, yeah. That's fair enough. Okay, cool. And then and then prior to that, SW6, yeah, it's the same sort of thing. Yeah, again, again um, there, there was one person doing, um, you know, experienced guys. The rest of it was very much, um, you know, grad entry level. I mean, I haven't worked there for five years. Obviously, they're a competitor of mine now. Um, and as far as I'm aware, they still do that. But when you started, do. you was doing that, that. It was sort of similar stuff that when you was there. Yeah, was I mean, when we first set SW6 up, it was um, very much a grad, uh, really? grad model, yeah. So is your... So is your Bread and butter than really being the grad piece. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Really? Yeah. And then more recently, you've been... Me personally, yeah, I do a lot more experience, which I really enjoy. And I think just because, um, you know, having done grad recruitment for a long time, it's just, it's nice to have a slight change. And I just think having, you know, slightly more gravitas in the market, largely because of, you know, being a bit older, I'm 40 next year. um, You just naturally... I did, you know, it's easy to deal with more senior candidates. Yeah, yeah And so many people sense. I've placed, you know, will come back to me or yeah, so, yeah, so yeah. therefore it's just, you know, tapping to a slightly different candidate pool. Okay, cool. So first thing that I'd love to get your thoughts on, let, let's, just, let's just focus on the sort of more recent uh, things and what you've been, what's been going on in your world because it just makes sense to do that. So yeah, sure. I guess what I'd love to know is like, so how, how do you sell recruitment to grads? <laughs> do you know what? When I first started selling recruitment to grads, was like, you can earn 100 grand in your first year. You know, that is not the case. Certainly not nowadays. I've only one person who's done that and, you know, no one else. Um, nowadays, it's kind of, I sell uh, recruitment very differently to how I probably sold it 15, 16 years ago. And I'd sell it as a career nowadays. Really? So when I first started out, recruitment was kind of industry. You'd work in for, you know, two, three years. You'd work bloody hard. You'd earn a bit of money you know, you buy a house mm. uh, and, you know, before you're 30, you'd probably move on. Mm. Whereas recruitment nowadays, you know, um, it, it gives a genuine opportunity to build a career. But in terms of selling these graduates, I just, the biggest thing I love about recruitment is, you know, a graduate could go into law, could go into banking, go into dentistry, could be a nurse. But the one thing recruitment offers over any of those is a truly meritocratic industry where, um, if you do this, you'll be promoted to that. If you build this, you'll earn that. And I just love the black and white. Yeah. So my wife used to work in, you know, she was really senior board director of a um, branding communication business. And, you know, at the end of the year, her bonus was very much kind of like, mm, yeah, I think she's worth that. It wasn't tangible like in recruitment. Yeah, and I yeah. think that's the beautiful thing about recruitment because, you know, you can whinge all you like that you haven't earned this and someone's been luckier, but... <laughs> Results don't lie. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. I think as soon as I got my first flavour of sales, I'd, there's no way that I could sit next to James who does the same job as me and does it half assed and gets paid the same. We, I, couldn't we, we, anything, <laughs> I couldn't think of anything worse. You, you say that, and funny enough, we're talking about this in the office today, and there are a number of recruitment agencies in the market that do exactly that. So they what operate in a team, where well, they operate on a team commission basis. So oh, mate. there are businesses out there where you have five people on a team, for example, the team bills X, they will pay the team 10%, and then the team split that pot. And it doesn't matter what, you know. I, so, sorry to butt in. Yeah, sure. I spoke to someone, I'm not going to say the company, it might be a bit savage, but I spoke to, the, I spoke to a guy. <laughs> There's a few. <laughs> that's about our affairs. I spoke to a guy who, who actually told me this the other day and I was just like, no way. 
And it, it, I don't understand. But they, they, but they don't know there's an alternative. Well, this is the thing. I, I, and we talk about, so I give meetings and people say, well, why don't you put in for that company? I'm like, it's more difficult than you think. They've almost been brainwashed because what if I've worked, you know, 10 more hours than you in a week and I've billed twice as much, why should I get paid the same? Oh, and mate, no and yet when you approach people from these businesses, they kind of think, yeah, what you're selling, you know, selling isn't true. Um, and yeah, I just don't understand it. I mean, there are businesses out there that, you know, really do reward stuff really well nowadays because um, it's such a competitive market. But yeah, to work for a firm like that, yeah, I think you need Team to head looking commission. at Yeah, dreadful. No way. I just couldn't do it. Team yeah. commission. Yeah. I just can't believe that. Especially, I, I, especially I, I, capped I, I, at 10%. I couldn't believe it. I actually couldn't believe it when I heard that. I was like, there's no way, oh, there's no way I could have done Well, that. some of the bigger organizations that, again, I won't mention, you know, it's not team commission, but, you know, they tend to pay the graduates, um, entry-level people, you know, decent level basic salaries, far more than, you know, what a lot of the majority of business I work with would pay. But they pay um, discretionary bonuses. So yeah. again, it's, um, you know, there, there are lots of companies in recruitment that do that. Um, I just suppose more of the businesses I work with, tats, you know, tend to reward more in a meritocratic, <laughs> you know, way. I, no, but I, I couldn't agree more. That That's what I loved about working in recruitment, but particularly in sales, I was like, okay, so I'm in complete control of what I put in is, is what I get back sort of thing. And I, I couldn't agree more. I think that's great. So you more go down that route that what you put in, what you get out and it is a career. Yeah, definitely. Do you, how, how do you think recruitment's a career now? 100%. Or like how do you, like how, because we spoke about this a lot um, at the sort of live event, how sort of recruitment is actually really now becoming a profession and these types of things. Obviously it's a process and stuff, but would you agree with that? Yeah, definitely. Look, I know we shouldn't talk about age, but I'm going to. And and, and it's to, to illustrate like an example. So 10 years ago, if you were 30, you were considered quite an old hat. You'd probably be a director in a recruitment yeah, business. Yeah, that, that's mad. Yeah. Um, nowadays, so for example, I was working with a candidate the other day who's got 17 years experience in B2B sales for a really, um, you know, for a decent car manufacturer. And he has joined a fintech recruitment business in London and he's 40 years old, no recruitment experience, but he had the skill set. And there's no way that would have happened um, kind of 10 years ago. What so was then, his driver then? Why did that happen? He just wanted to earn more money. He kind of capped out uh, and it was kind of like, well, I, 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 I can't any more on this. I know recruitment, I'm going to take a massive step back, but in three, four years time, I can exceed oh, I the earnings of money, which is good. But I mean, I, I suppose I use that point to say, demonstrate that recruitment has got um, you know, shelf life nowadays. You're getting people yeah. who are much older. I mean, I, I say I'm 40 next year and I don't feel anywhere near the end of my recruitment career. Whereas yeah, perhaps yeah. 10 years ago, I'd be thinking, oh my God, I'm like 40 next year. There's no way I can be in recruitment. And I think- How much hair did you have when you started in Rectorac? <laughs> not much more. <laughs> <laughs> it looked like- Oh, fair enough. Well, that might be the contributing factor. <laughs> yeah, not much more, sadly. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, sadly. Um, although some people might say the fact it's ginger and it's going might, uh, might, be, a, might be a blessing in disguise. But, but no, you're totally right. So that would that would just never would have happened. That that I think that's amazing. Yeah, definitely. And um, I ju I just think that recruiting businesses on the whole have just kind of grown up. Um, mm. It's not you know yeah of course there are those really um, you know kind of old school boy uh, cowboy clubs where you know they bash graduates for three four years, you know take a pound of flesh spit them out and then they get the next batch. Whereas there are so many businesses now that are doing things in a much more consultative way. It allows much more, I suppose, sophisticated, you know, more mature individuals to kind of like, you know, kick on their career. So from your perspective then, how, how do you think we can, as you know, 
recruiters don't have the best reputation. Rectorex even more worse worse than that, from what I understand, <laughs> being in this sort of world of recruitment and moving to London and stuff. But on that note, it's something that we spoke about the event. I'd love to get your perspective on because it's it's something that you're selling on a daily basis. Like, how do you think we can do more to to actually showcase and communicate recruitment as a career career choice? I mean, look, there's always going to be recruiters um, who are going to be bashed because there's always going to be a client who uh, gets frustrated with the service you deliver. You might not get a candidate shows up. You know, there's so many you know factors out of your control as a recruiter. Yeah that can have a really detrimental. And the most annoying thing is, it often happens like buses. So if you get a candidate drops out from a you know, client meeting, you know there's going to probably be two more uh, you know, uh, candidates drop out from that client that week. And it makes you look really shit as an agency, but sometimes it's just down to you know, pure unluck. Um, in terms of um, you know, uh, creating a more consultant environment, um, it's just giving people the opportunity uh, to um, you know, do a good job. I think... Um, recruiters nowadays are much more understanding of their markets. Mm. They, um, you know, I mean, I, I know technical recruiters, for example, who can learn how to code. You know, that never would have happened like 10, 15 yeah, years yeah. ago. And recruiters are properly understanding their market space. And I truly believe that, you know, you can add value. But, you know, there's 40,000 recruitment firms in the UK. Yes, there's a lot of shit out there. But equally, there are some really good businesses out there who offer like a really high, you know, um, <laughs> they offer a really high standard um yeah, yeah. solution yeah and uh, obviously to be fair i don't i don't so obviously t a lot of people would say like you always see on linkedin like people just bashing recruiters and stuff but i actually and i actually never see that but i think the main that's just because i'm recruited connected to like loads of recruiters and stuff but um I, I think you're totally right i think for me it's things like this and everything else all the good stuff there's so much great stuff that can be spoken about that recruitment agencies are doing that just need that people need to be more loud about. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, in any industry, you're going to get you know you get, get people kind of let them um, the sector down, but equally you're going to get people who kind of like you know stand up, be counted, and like, do a really good job. Mm. And I, I think just as human beings, you kind of focus on the negativity too much. You know, it, it's often you go on TripAdvisor looking of a hotel, and you get five people say it's absolutely shit. And, and you know, I would never go to a hotel and write about how amazing it is. But if you had a really bad experience, you might write about it. And yeah, I kind yeah, of think totally. it's that. And, and uh, I'm often told that a lot Wasn't of... Wasn't there that, that happened in recruitment at a point, didn't that? Do you remember that? What's that? There was like a... I can't remember what they were called, but someone tried to make a trip advisor for recruitment agencies. They did. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. I'm pretty sure it's like flopped. I don't know. And I won't say... And uh, <laughs> But do you remember seeing that? Yeah, I do. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it, it, yeah. I, I, it was by a fairly young guy who. Was, yeah, yeah. Um, I know. I know who you're on about. Yeah, and yeah. obviously, yeah. That's just changed like a million times. Yeah, because you know, you, I don't think you really need an environment because like having those kind of portals, it's only going to encourage negative publicity. Yeah, um, yeah. Look, forty percent of our revenue at rule comes from referrals. Really? Yeah. And that's so common in recruitment businesses. It is if you do it well. And I think if you really look after a graduate or well anyone, any recruiter, uh, or you know any candidate, and you do a really good job, and you literally wrap them up in you know cotton wool, and you give them a really good experience, they're going to tell their friends and their friends and their yeah, friends, yeah, and they're yeah. going to think about you. And I think so many people are so short-sighted about you know spot this, got to place this, got to do that, got to do that. But if you think about the bigger picture and actually offering a really good service, then you will get repeat business. And you know I, I think so many recruiters are kind of like you know have that kind of outlook nowadays um 
while we're talking about this, I'd love to get your um, opinion on j- just to sort of tie in with this and talking about sort of recruitment as a career and how it's been perceived and stuff like this. How, 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 d- so another sort of topic that a lot of people was talking about is to like talking about being a recruiter who's future proof and what the future looks like and these types of things. Like obviously you speak to businesses all day, recruitment businesses like <clears throat> How how do you see recruitment businesses thinking about the future and ensuring that they're future proof? And what what's your thoughts on that? Look, I, th- I think it's really difficult to kind of future proof yourself. And that, there will be businesses out there who are you know f- far more successful than w- you know we are. Uh, and, and you know they they will kind of talk about their strategies about doing that. But on the whole, it's really difficult to do it because I think if you and especially with a difficult political and economical landscape at the moment. Um, it's very difficult. You know, you look at things like the oil and gas market. The oil and gas market in 2009, 10 was absolutely booming. You know, um, price of oil was around $140 uh, dollars a barrel. It dropped to 20, you know, $20 a barrel. And suddenly oil and gas recruitment, which kind of, you know, which arguably saved the recruitment market, yeah. you know, for me back in 2010, when everyone else was screwed, went under. Um, so what did you learn through that period then? Because a lot of people listening wouldn't have been through that. Do you know what I mean? So to give you how an, do you make sure that... Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you've got to... Look, I, I, it's a really difficult strategy because a lot of recruitment consultants talk about uh, working a inch-wide, mile-deep yeah. market and therefore you become a real expert in your market. Yeah, you hear that But if your time. market gets hit, mm. it means you're screwed. But then again, I speak to a lot of decent recruiters and they have the confidence in their ability where by the sector they work in is literally something you can be learned in you know, three, six months, but their ability to recruit is, you know, they can take with them from market to market. Okay. That's interesting. So I'd love to get your opinion on this. What's your view on working for a bigger agency compared to a smaller agency? Ooh, okay. Difficult. Um, Cause I work with both. I mean, w- we do work with smaller agencies on the whole. And like any recruiter, it's, it's more favorable. The terms are better, they move quicker, less process, can go directly to, you know, decision makers. Um, <laughs> but for someone listening? I, 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 it depends what stage you're at in your career and it depends what individual you are because I think both opportunities lend themselves to, um, you know, potentially successful careers. And there's not anything saying you can't move between one and the other. I don't yeah, see yeah, many people sure. go from small business to big businesses, but you see a lot of people go from big businesses yeah, to small, small businesses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think the cons for... Um, well, let's start with the pros. I think the pros for big businesses are they give you a brand name, they give you really structured training, they can give you uh, a ready built kind of social life. It's kind of on a platform. It's not as difficult, especially in the market nowadays. It's so saturated. Telling a kind of grad who's you know three weeks out of university going BD against a guy who's been doing it, you know, or girl who's been doing it, you know, five, six, seven, eight years, you're going to stand very little chance. Whereas in a big business, I think a brand name carries a lot of weight. You know, the cons are. Uh, it potentially a lot slower to progress because they've already got a brand name and they've worked hard to kind of get that and they've kind of done it all. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, certainly, certainly lower level commission. Mm. Um, in terms of, um, you know, working for a smaller agency, yeah, you might not get the same training. You're probably going to get direct training from somebody who's actually been there and done it and, yeah. you know, is at the top of the game. And I personally think that is an invaluable. Um, there's also opportunity. So, you know, a small business will look to promote people rather than reasons not to promote people. Um, they tend to have much, uh, you know, uh, they tend to have less overhead, so they're not as nice offices, so therefore they can afford more commission. I mean, me personally, I would always prefer to work for a smaller agency because I think it presents more opportunity. But my 
reasons for wanting to do recruitment perhaps very different yeah, to someone yeah, else's. Yeah, yeah. So no, yeah, I was just interested to get your point on that. I mean, it makes complete sense. Everyone's individual depends on what their objectives are, the type of person they are. But for me, yeah, I I agree. I'd I would always look. So I worked for like a big insurance company, then worked for a small insurance broker, then went into a um, a person recruitment agency, and I'd always personally pick that just because as you said, having direct access to the owner of the business, that was just really invaluable to me. Yeah, but I mean, just just on that note, I think it makes a massive difference about who the owner of that business is. Totally. So if I'm selling against a small business, I will look at what the cash flow is on company company's house. I'll also then look at the pedigree of the person running that business. If that guy is, or lady, again, has been um, you know, running a recruitment business for you know 10 years and they're three people big, I would kind of question the pedigree of that business sure. if there's someone who's built a maximum of 150 grand a year have they got the ability to train you to be a three four hundred k biller no yeah. Yeah, yeah whereas if you look at some people who's done startup businesses they've been five six seven hundred you know k billers or they've been ceos of big businesses beforehand they know how to do it mm. and i think joining someone on a journey you need to be really careful about joining the right people because there are mm. loads of small businesses that aren't going anywhere and probably won't go anywhere really good point on that point, please do be honest. I know you will be. But if I'm a recruiter right now listening, and I, I am coming to a bit of a crossroads, obviously besides come and speak to rule, but nonetheless, I, I'd really appreciate your advice on this for people. Like <coughs> if I've got a year's experience, 18 months experience, as you said, if you have someone come <coughs> to you guys, you're very confident you'll place them. Um, no doubt if I've got that t- type of experience, I'm getting absolutely smashed by Rector Rex hitting hit with linkedin messages all day phoned at my desk sometimes maybe but like old school yeah old school but like if i if i'm considering a move right now i think you were just talking a bit about there like really think about obviously who you are and what you want and the, the type of people you can learn from but what what should i really be looking out for like what are the red like what are the red flags when i'm considering a move do, do you know what i mean like what are the things that i need to be thinking about so i'd always encourage somebody to have a look around the marketplace I, it's amazing how many people you see have four years ten year in one recruitment business yeah they leave and then they've left their next recruitment business in four or five months mm. and it, it's because they don't invest in the process. So then they're kind of scared, perhaps going to be caught. They haven't got time to interview. So it's kind of like, go and see a couple of companies. Yeah, great. I'll accept the first thing that's offered. And perhaps, you know, put less effort in them when they were kind of graduating. Um, So that's the first good point then. Like if you are going to look around, actually really invest in the process and make sure you actually do look around. I think the biggest thing that any candidate bases their decision on is around company culture. I think if you pick a business that you're going to be happy in, you're probably going to stay there. And company cultures can vary massively. So just to give you an idea, at Rural, we placed 116 different recruitment businesses last year. Oh, wow. Which is a lot. So that spans uh, contingent and exec search, mm. predominantly in London. A um, few overseas, few in the regions, but predominantly London. And those 116 businesses, you know, vary massively in terms of how much prepared to pay on base, what the training's like, what the culture's like, what offices like, what you get to wear, can you bring your dog? You know, it's just a million factors. So actually speaking to someone like myself who's been to meet all these companies, yeah. we really kind of profile, we get to find out, I think in um, mainstream recruitment, you look at someone's uh, CV, you match it with a job spec and you say, right, that person's coded five years in Python, they're perfect for that position. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas for me, it's much more about profiling someone's personality and matching it with a company culture. And if we do that, it works. 
So we're really finding out about the person. And I think that's what we do really effectively as a rec to rec. How, but how, if I'm, so obviously without, besides obviously you telling me what that culture's like, let's say you're not involved. Yeah. Yeah. How, how, how like, what, what would your advice be to try and soak up as much of that culture as possible in that interview process? Because um, that's such a valid, it's that, it is that basically. It's like, if you are thinking about leaving, then one, as you said, really invest in the process. And if you're doing it behind closed doors or whatever, and you might be more prone to just making a quick decision, which then means you might leave in four months because you didn't invest in the process. Get that, great advice. But and then clearly it's going to come down to the people, the culture, as you said, which is really important. But how can I, as someone that's considering a move, I'm meeting recruit, how, what, what's the best way for me to really try and get a grasp of that before I decide to join mm. them? Do you know what I mean? I think you need to kind of think about what you like about what you're doing, what you don't like, where you're struggling, you know, where you're kind of you know, thriving, and then kind of think about what your you know, main purposes are. So I, I think a lot of recruiters are bad at listening to their own advice. And if there is an itch, scratch it. And if there is that itch, think about exactly what you want. You know, where do you want to be based? Like, I mean, for example, people have a bitch of a commute that can put people off. You know, that is a big issue for you. You think about moving to an agency it's slightly closer. Yeah. If you want an agency of less KPIs, join a smaller organization. If you want a thumping big base and that's really important to you over like a decent commission structure, then maybe join a bigger business. Mm. If you want something that's more corporate, again, it, so there's so many different factors. Um, mm. It's kind of hard to you know give a but, but again good advice make the time to actually understand what you want more of what yeah, you want less of invest and in, uh, recruiters do you know what um, I think in recruitment consultancy you kind of get often and this is obviously generalising but you get the top twenty percent of people in a business who earn really well they're really happy they've got no desire to move um, mm. until you know one day an opportunity might come up or you know perhaps moving out of London because of you know a relocation extension might come up but you know let's say they're happy. Uh, you then kind of get the next, you know, batch of people who, you know, bill well um, and relatively happy. And for most of the time, you know, they're, they're pretty content in their job. And then you get like the bottom 20% of people who aren't particularly good and don't enjoy their job at all. Um, and it's about which, I suppose, set of people you're looking to target. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. But with the medium kind of like people, um, I suppose you just need to think about um, it's really difficult to articulate, I suppose. Okay, um, that's all right. I suppose there's so many questions that go around my head. So when I interview a candidate, it's not a case of, right, here's four questions, fill this out and give me your answer. I hammer question after question after question after question after question. What are they billing? What are they doing? What market? Where do they want to be going? What do you want to be doing? And it's kind of building up a real almost mind map yeah. in my head of you know where these people should perhaps should be you know, focusing their attentions. Totally get that. On this, on this topic of moving, looking at other agencies, what I should be thinking about, international recruitment, moving abroad, that's something that the recruitment skill set can definitely enable you to do. Like how much of that do you do? Yeah, I mean, we place people um, you know, all over the world. Um, so what, 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 what is the actual landscape of taking my recruitment skill set right now and moving to Australia or the USA or whatever? Look, like, what, <laughs> what does that actually look like right now? I think if you're a good recruiter and you haven't got a criminal record and you've got perhaps a degree in some cases, you know, it's, it's fairly easy at the moment. It's getting, it's constantly changing um, around how many people they're hiring. So I'm sure you're aware that in Australia, they've made it a lot more difficult. You know, you have to earn, you know, uh, employees have to pay their staff a certain amount of money. Uh, and, and in order to kind of justify that amount, you've probably got to have like two, three years experience. Yeah. Um, in the States, you know, 
a lot of businesses from the UK have moved over to the States and they've really thrived and they're making a huge amount of money out there. But um, I've been told by a number of clients in the last couple of months it's becoming increasingly more difficult to get out there. Really? But there in are what uh, sense like to get your visa get, accepted get, and stuff like that? Yeah, to get your visa approved. Yeah. Um, and I just think that's kind of under, you know, Trump. Um, it is becoming more difficult. Um, you know, there are other markets really picking up. So Amsterdam is becoming a real hub for people to move to. Uh, Berlin, Frankfurt, Hamburg. Um, you know, I think recruitment companies are looking to come really global. And given the fact that, you know, the majority of, you know, really high profile recruitment businesses that are established in London, uh, you know, they're looking to kind of create a, uh, a global footprint, mm. but also, you know, safeguard themselves against any kind of downturn or, you know, what, you know happens, what, Brexit yeah. or, you know, anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <coughs> anyone listening, there 100% is an opportunity to take their, I think that's such a great thing as well, isn't it? Like how, like how not how easily, but like there's such an opportunity to take your skill set abroad, isn't there? Like that's, that's completely real. Yeah, 100%. But what's really weird is, okay, so I've got wife, kids, they're at school, I've got a house, got a mortgage, got a business. It's really difficult for me to kind of, you know, up sticks and move. Although I'd love to live in the States, it'd be awesome. If I was mid-20s with no dependents and I thought, you know what, it's going to have like two, three years of you know fun, maybe a bit more, I would 100% be out there. I mean, the amount of money that US counterparts are billing against you know the UK recruiters is, is vast. Is it's that massive. real though? Is that, yeah, is that mean, real? Look, I, I think as a rec to rec or you know, like any recruitment business, I'm fed the detail that I want to be, that I need to be sold basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I sell it in the, you know, the right way. Um, but yeah, I, I think recruitment um, over there, like fees are often 25, 30% yeah. um, because of the strength of the dollar over the pound as well. Um, yeah. You know, you're, you're earning far more. It just, you know, it's a, what, 300 million people live in the States. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and there's, it's also the so rep- few recruitment agencies the reputation out there. as well is like totally different there like recruiters perceived way differently yeah you know if you if you pick up the phone to a company in the states they want to speak to you rather than um you know Got somebody right. in the uk you, you, there's often barriers okay so big billers how, how many of them are there in today's market? Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? How much has that changed? Do you know what? It, it has changed a lot. Um, it, it, look, they're, they're all without question million pound billers in the marketplace. And, no. and, and yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And we, we, we work with a number of recruitment businesses who have, you know, a number of those people in there. Um, however, there aren't nearly as many as there used to be. I think kind of going back to the, you know, late 90s, early noughties, there were recruiters, you know, who basically lived like stockbrokers. They earned a lot of money because really? they could build really big. You know, it just wasn't saturated. I mean, just to give you an idea, when I started Rectorex, there was probably about five Rectorex. There's probably about 5,005 yeah, now. Yeah, loads now, aren't there? Yeah, loads. Um, so it's it's much more difficult now. Um, but arguably, a lot of recruitment businesses I meet are saying, look, although it'd be lovely to have a million pound biller, it's not great if they walk out the door because mm. what's left behind them is like yeah. loads of people billing 100 grand. You know, you'd much rather have a strategy where you have, you know, everyone billing between 150 and 250 grand. Yeah. Um, so what is, because again, I think this is, again, this is the sort of stuff that I wanted to have access to when I was in recruitment. Like what, what would you say is like a, in terms of billings wise, like what is like a real good, solid, achievable amount that people can, that's like, so right now I might be listening, the top biller might be billing 180K. 
Do you know what I mean? However, there's going to be a lot of other people that are billing more than that. But you obviously, so I've had it a few times on um, on this podcast where <coughs> a real common topic that people ask me about is like Hisham. I'm billing 150k and I'm really struggling to break the 200k mark. I love you. To, <coughs> I love you to talk to people about how they've done that. I'm I'm billing 250k on a break the 300k mark, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And quite a few times when I've had people on here and they went from one agency to another agency and and, and the first agency the top biller was like 200k or whatever and then they went to another agency there's someone billing 500k and all of a sudden that becomes realistic and that's that's actually I can actually do that there's someone in this room doing that do you know what I mean so like what's like a I don't know it'd be good, good, if what what's your sort of thoughts on like what is like a real good achievable amount that's like so I think, do you know I, what I, mean? I think if I interview anyone they're billing north of 200 grand I, th- I consider them to be a pretty good recruiter in, okay. today, in today's market uh, you know I think you're pretty exceptional if you're billing anything of a, like four or five hundred grand I think you're really? you know a really really decent recruiter at that level and you know anyone who's billing yeah say seven figures is just a bit of a freak if I'm honest I think there's an element of luck to that I think that, you know right time right place right client called in but also you occasionally get these individuals who you know make everyone else you know who think they're money hungry and think they're hardworking <laughs> you know they're just they're just different animals yeah um but I, I, yeah i think about 200 grand but obviously it depends how long you've been in the business but it's an interesting point so i interviewed a candidate the other day and he considers his 185 grand to be amazing because the top biller in his business bills like 190 exactly. grand on perm and i'm like look i don't mean to be disrespectful but you've got several years tenure that is not great. Yeah. You know, you could easily be working in a business that allows you to build much more. He's like, well, how? I'm like, well, you work in a business that hires loads of graduates and therefore no one can see how to get to the next level. Yeah. Uh, but equally, the, the fee level you're working at as well might hinder you. So, you know, he was working on average of about four grand a fee and, it, you know, you have to do, well, yeah, I was I'm working at mass, about, but I was working, yeah, exactly. I was working grand. on about uh, yeah, five and a half k average fee, and that, that is yeah, you're totally right. That's yeah. such a really important like, factor. I, I, there is that fact. Like, so many people say to me like, why do you do direct direct? You know, the average fee is like four or five grand. I'm like, you know, why don't you do something? It's twenty grand average fee. I'm like, okay, yeah, it's a fair point, but that can is worth twenty grand over my. F- you know, five grand is probably four times as likely. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's difficult to find or convince or find the right role for. I mean, a 200 grand biller in one market, you know, largely is a 200 grand biller in another market. And I kind of say that with a bit of hesitance because there are markets out there that I don't really work with. So we rule work with specialist markets. That's like finance, banking, technology, digital, life sciences, legal markets. But there are... Why? why? Um, I just think that's what I've always done. I think it's the more specialist end of the market. It's probably easier to sell to high level uh, candidates. Okay, fair enough. But if you take someone from like a education recruitment background or a service care or a health, I mean, I spoke to a candidate the other day and their billings were astronomical. I was like, How, you, what? You build, like, they were just about 650 grand placing nurses. Yeah, but, I've heard this recently. Yeah, I got exposed. But they got paid like, like fifty grand a year doing it. I was like, what? But, and, and anyone who owns those kind of businesses, they must be laughing. <laughs> because they, they pay the consultants bugger all money but funny enough a lot of our clients in the kind of like more specialist recruitment don't want to see these candidates because they've got no ability to what, transactional it, stuff well it, it, it's just delivering into a framework so it's basically a glorified delivery role so it's just ma- you know matching candidate to, to role and yeah, yeah, yeah it's more yeah. of an administrative role yeah fair enough there's no skill around the business development which you know is increasingly becoming more difficult and therefore there's more emphasis put on you know bd than probably ever before when somebody's looking at a senior candidate yeah, yeah, yeah let's talk about that for a sec because again thinking about what people talk to me about and messing me about that 100 percent is definitely 
easily top three most common topic that people ask me about. Again, it's business development, strategies. It's something that I find challenging. What, why do you think it's become more challenging? <laughs> I think the obvious answer, there's 850 recruitment businesses in the UK set up every single month. Yeah. And if you're a hiring manager, <laughs> the last yeah. thing you want is another recruiter, you know, phoning up and hammering you. Uh, and, you know, I spoke to um, one recruitment agency and, you know, he's a 1.5 million pound biller himself. You know, he's a phenomenal recruiter. And he says that for every new client he brings on board, he needs to make 50 degrees of separation. So, well, he basically needs to contact the new client 50 times. So that could be via email, well, email, well, so that gets like what, 50, every he, new client he gets has been like 50. 50 points of contact. That's mental. So that, that could be, a, you know, and it obviously differs from market yeah, yeah, but it's it a good, it's, market, yeah. but it, it just he shows just you. A real, yeah. yeah, and he a 1.5 million pound billet so you know bd is becoming harder and harder the more saturated the market is um yeah i mean if you think how much these hiring managers are hammered by yeah, you know yeah, totally. re recruiters just means being insane what 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 are the common things that you see in big billers in today's market uh, knowledge and work ethic really yeah i, th I think that, i think that look there is an there is, is an element of luck yeah totally you get a lead you call that client they're like we're after you know 100 contracts it's like oh yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah just totally like, totally that wow happens. okay and that does happen but i think um the, the biggest thing is is work ethic and we did around the office in 37 questions as, as i know you know yeah and um, we asked one of the questions, you know, what makes a top bidder? And every single CEO or MD replied, work ethic. And uh, I know we try and make recruitment not all about, you know, it's working 12 hours a day. But how, do, it, how does this fit into flexible working, mate? It doesn't. If you want, <laughs> it, it, that is the thing, though, isn't it? it, it look, if you want to be successful, and I, I, I posted something on LinkedIn the other day, and it got an enormous amount of traction, which is really cool, because I say, look, if you want to be successful in anything, so I've my best friend is a CEO of like a five, 600 man, uh, man marketing agency. He's, okay. he's 39 years old, um, oh, which wow. is incredible. But the guy works like till midnight every single night. You know, um, I've got a mate who's a professional rugby player. Like, in order to kind of bulk up, like the guy was just never out of the gym. Mm. You know, I've got mates who are very successful lawyers, you know, partners in big law firms. And again, they've kind of worked 12, 13, 14 hours a day. You know, they've had a case come through, they've had to do something, they've yeah. had to drop their plans, they've had to work weekends. And I think the same as recruitment, like it's so in your hands that if you want to be successful, you just work harder. Okay. Largely. No, no, no. I get that. I think, I think just, just to add to that, I think that was, as we were saying before we started this, it's obviously saying it's the, the Instagram life. That, well, like, I just couldn't agree more that obviously it's so easy just to see the, that person at the end. Like if you're talking about your mate as a rugby player or whatever, it's so easy to look at that person and go, oh God, they got it all right, haven't they? And like, yeah, you just see the, mm. you don't see all of the sacrifice and you don't see all the stuff behind yeah. it. Do you I know mean, what I mean? You, you see anyone um, you know, uh, kind of be successful, drive a nice car, wear a nice watch, live in a nice house, you know, unless they've inherited it or married into it or won it or nicked it. <laughs> they've had to, work. <laughs> actually, there's quite a few ways to earn it, but they've had to, work. they've had to really, yeah, yeah. you know, work hard. And, you know, think, you know, I don't think success comes without a lot of, um, you know, of hard work. But I'd say the other thing as well is, differentiating yourself away from your competition. And that for me is really understanding your marketing and really understanding your product. Mm -hmm. So I think there are recruiters out there who, you know, take great pride and great, um, you know, effort to really learn how their market works. Mm. So there's a very well-known recruiter. We all know, I won't mention him, but he was, uh, you know, he's just recently sold a very, uh, you know, um, big recruitment agency for 
a, a lot of money. And he was, um, you know, started his career at S3. He is top biller there. Um, and he had a year's, um, you know, uh, where he couldn't, you know, touch any of his clients. Yeah. So he decided to kind of be a trader and he was a trader for a year and he came back and set up his business and he built 700 grand from his bedroom in his first year. Cheers. And it was just because, you know, A, yes, work ethic, but B, really understanding his, you know, market. So, you know, I, I think if you want to get to those kind of levels, yeah, it's kind of a bit of a combination of both. <coughs> what, so then, like, if I'm listening right now and, like, what, what's, like, the, the things that you think about when it's like, right, how can I get, to, how can I really know my market more? Do you know what I mean? What the typical thing, what are the things that come to mind for you when you're thinking, like, that's your okay. advice? Do, do you know what I mean? What things come to mind? So the first thing that things come to mind, I just speak to people. Mm. I don't think there's anything more powerful than having a conversation with someone. And the other thing is something I really struggled with when I was younger, and I watched kind of the more genius, you know, t um, staff in our business at Rural. They struggle to ask questions because they're scared to not know the answer. So, yeah, so I true. would go for a meeting and you know, client would be rapping on about this and that and use acronyms everywhere. I'd be like, I don't know what they're talking about. And you know, nowadays, I'm not scared not to know. And I say, look, I don't mean to be ignorant, but what do you mean by that? Or yeah. how does this work? Or you know, what you you know, you think that's as you got older. Yeah, definitely. I think you just kind of get a bit more comfortable in your own skin. Yeah, I think totally. when you're a bit younger, it's kind of case. I need to know everything. I need to impress. Yeah. You know, there's no way I can kind of admit. You know, a, 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 um, you know, a chink in my armor. So right. So and, and that that okay. Uh, no, I like that. That's come out. That's actually come up a couple of times. <coughs> chaps that I had on before. Never nicked it. I promise. No, no, no. I had a chap before tech recruiting, and he was like, "My biggest realization where things really start to, start to happen was like, just don't be afraid to ask stupid questions." And um, so I think that's great advice. So it, I, I think that's really interesting that every CEO that you've asked have always said work ethic. And I think, look, flexible working and this sort of stuff, it's, that's, that is so, that's everywhere. And, and, I get, and I totally get that. However, there's also got to be a real conversation around if you, if you want this and these are your ambitions, well, guess what? Like, yeah. there, there's got to be an element of sacrifice. But you, do you know what? There's got to be, yeah, there has to be sacrifice and you have to work hard, but kind of thinking whilst you're just speaking there, you could be the hardest worker in the room, but if you don't have, you know, the charisma or the yeah. ability to turn it on when it's required or close someone, you're not going to make deals either. Yeah. yeah. So there and is. You got to be working on the right. You got to be doing the right things. We could be working in the right market as well. So, for example, you know, recruiting across lots of different markets, you'll be amazed by how much the top biller from one business, say in tax, differs from a top biller in. Um, I don't know, life sciences. You know, just the whole personality, the whole... Really? Yeah, it, it, it's, it's very, very different. Um, How do you know if the market's for you then? I think you need to almost mirror your market. So if you perhaps are... Like if you get along with people, you mean? Yeah, not necessarily. Like I, think, I think what we do in Rec2Rec, you know, we're selling to salespeople. So therefore, I think it's important you have, you know, a fairly banterous personality and you can kind of like, uh, you know, just just have a very kind of informal, candid, low-level conversation with people because yeah. recruiters and, you know, salespeople, they tend to, you know, think more with their heart rather than their head. Yeah. But if you're speaking to someone, you know, who works perhaps in private equity, they're probably going to come from, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, an Oxbridge and they can be, you know, incredibly intelligent. They're probably going to have much more kind of high-level, intense, uh, in-depth conversations yeah. so therefore personality there's no way that I could work in that market because I just I, I, well as I've told you at the beginning I've got a tutu from yeah, yeah, yeah. a distinctly average university and what, uh, what are the what are the sort of 
really exciting markets at the moment moment that you're seeing <coughs> look technology without doubt is the boom market at the moment it has been that way for a while um, so many tech recruiters though there are like a few years so ago so many well a few years ago there was kind of the break off and you know kind of this new market was established in digital you know f think about your phone like yeah, yeah. everything you use nowadays is digital so but yeah, tech kind of is just driving, just driving everything forwards. Um, it's it, so saturated, though. It is, but it's saturated for a reason. There's still so much, you know, yeah. money and desire and appetite. So, I think working in Rec to Rec, you can really get a sense of what the market's doing because you can see which companies from which sector are hiring. Yeah. And technology is honestly, it's just really? been relentless for the last two, three years. That Absolutely relentless. You've seen other markets shut off a little bit. Uh, and not done as well. What what was that? Sorry. So banking has really struggled. I think in the last um, you know couple of years. I yeah. think you know I think they've had a pretty hard time with it. Um, but other markets, you know, do things like um, you know Brexit, uh, like compliance and risk and corporate governance have probably done quite well. Mm. Um, Anything to keep an eye on that that you're sort of interested in, or is it literally tech that <coughs> really comes to mind when we're thinking of? Uh, markets or is there anything that you're yeah, there are markets outside of what I do like I say like healthcare etc and yeah, service true. care and those markets I think are doing well you know people's you know living older and this and that like that's kind of driving that that but um yeah, within the mainstream recruitment law's doing really well legal's another market I've heard, good, I've heard people making some cash do, do, do you know what? A lot of the biggest billers I know work in legal recruitment. Really? You know, because what they do is they shift um, partners. Teams. Well, they shift partners of UK firms into American firms that pay them extortion amounts of money. Like we're talking massive seven-figure salaries. Really? Um, just just that. to get them in. So you know, uh, there's a lot of seven-figure uh, billers in the legal market. Really? But it's but it's like an old-school billing network. You need to work it. You need to kind of like. Yeah, I've heard it. that. Whereas it's I like think business done over like a beer or yeah, whatever, like you, really yeah, like that yeah, type you, of sort of environment. You, you, you've built a real reputation for yourself. Whereas I think tech is so much more down to kind of like, yes, knowledge and there's lots of skill, et cetera, et cetera. But it is down to work that you can see some people build big in tech, you know, two, three years into their, into their career, which would never happen in the legal market. Mm. Um, <clears throat> what, what, what are sort of the things that you're seeing that are the... Um, be interesting again to flip this we're talking about what people should be looking out for and these types of things but where where do you think <coughs> a lot of recruiters that you speak to um sort of fall short and what what i mean by that is like so you speak to recruiters and, and grads etc all day and your team does what do you think are the sort of just common like expectations that people have that is just just so far from like what's the reality and stuff do you know what i mean what are the common things that people could be listening that they do you know what I mean what are the common things that people just the expectations aren't right they're not they're just so far from reality if that's in know. terms of what they saw the interview or yeah like just <coughs> maybe I'm not being very clear it's like so if I'm a recruit right now and, and you're speaking to me I mean I've been in my four walls and like my expectation of I don't know move moving to a firm and getting a salary increase of X is just so far off the mark you're like honestly I know this market is not correct, but I don't know. I just thought <coughs> we've spoken a lot about positives and stuff, but I thought obviously again you you speak to people that listen all day and yeah, I think the big, I think the biggest. Do you know what the, the biggest one at the moment is um, people wanting to go into internal recruitment? Really? Yeah, it's it's obscene. I I am approached forty times a week by people with a year's recruitment experience who want to go internal. Okay, and I'm kind of like, okay, why? And they're like well, you know, it's going to be, you know, I'm going to get a nice big base salary and they're going to be nine to five. And I'm like, yeah, that is 
potentially the case, but have you ever thought that you're going to be a glorified resourcer? Because as an internal recruiter, all you're going to do is source candidates, unless you're at a level of like 10 years experience when actually you start getting invested in the strategy and, yeah. you know, this and that. But, you know, suddenly some of your years experience and like, yeah, I want to move in, internal recruitment, want 35, 40K base. I'm like, you're, you're dreaming, it's not going to happen. And the reason you want to do that is because you can't hack agency life. And agency life is, you know, a champion recruitment. I think it's an awesome career to get into. But I always say to people, getting into recruitment is a bit like joining the gym in January. I will be one of those people who, you know, is ferociously doing sit-ups, <laughs> watching what I eat, not drinking, and at about the second, you know, week in January, I think, oh, sod this. And I will also be that individual that is walking on the beach uh, in July thinking, oh, shit, I wish I had a six-pack. And I see the guy opposite me thinking, oh, damn. And he is the kind of person that probably got up every single morning, went to the gym, worked hard, watched what he ate, and probably think it wasn't that difficult. And recruitment's exactly the same. If you, you know, have a, you know, understanding that this is not going to happen overnight, work really hard for one to two years. I mean, what other career can you join other than recruitment where you can actually, you know, outside of, you know, banking, where you can earn the kind of money you can do in recruitment and, you know, progress as quick. You know, we have amazing clients where they've got directors who've been in the business five years out of graduating. That, that doesn't happen in any other industry. Mm. And it's kind of a case that work hard, suck it up, know it's going to be bloody hard, but the rewards, if you keep going for it, will be good. No, I'm glad you spoke about that. That's what I was sort of digging for. So I'm glad you, you got to that point. Maybe I wasn't very clear, but I think that's a really interesting point that more you've seen a real influx of people that wanted to go internal. And I think, I think that's fair to say that that's probably a real good reason as to why people are thinking about that. Um, so just what you're talking about there is resilience, yeah. mindset. I know you said at the beginning of this, like that, obviously your whole sort of life experience and upbringing and, and um, helped you probably where you are now. And you said that you have really good resilience. I think what you're talking about there, which again, I'm confident that a lot of CEOs would say is quite common in, in, their, in their top billions and stuff is that resilience piece and to, to be willing to brush it off and carry on. <clears throat> how, how have you, I'm sure this is something that you've had to cultivate in the people in your business and something that you've continued to cultivate for yourself. So I guess... What's been your experience with that that you can share? I think it's been really important to hire people who can display that they have had to be resilient. And that doesn't necessarily come from sport or this. It's just, you know, perhaps they've had a really tough upbringing and they've had to just keep fighting or, you know, uh, there's so many examples. I mean, sport is an obvious one, but I think, I think choosing the right people to start off with who haven't been given everything on a plate. So when it mm. doesn't go their own way, I think a lot of people kind of, you know, get into the recruitment world and it doesn't go their own way and they've got a fallback option. I think people who kind of like, I haven't got anything else to choose. Or I need to make this work. They're the kind of ind individuals that do really well. Um, but resilience without doubt. I mean, I used to run a lot of um, assessment days for businesses around the city and we used to talk about, um, you know, what makes a good recruiter and, you know, people used to shout out, you know, competitive, confident, motivated, resilient, ambitious. And when you kind of break them all down, you know, very few were a skill set. They were all attitudes with resilience probably being the number one. And it, 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 it is, it is so important, especially in those first few years. But like, even as like somebody's been doing the job for 16 years, like there are days where I want to, you know, kind of just curl in a ball and cry because nothing's gone your way. Yeah. And, and, and that never goes away. How have you got better at dealing with that, though? You personally, because I'm sure some people can learn from that. 
in my day-to-day job, it's, I suppose, being a creator, it's making sure you've got a pipeline so that if you have one thing fall out, you've got another positive thing yeah. to focus on. So never always have just be relying on one thing. No, because I think if you're always, you know, if you're relying everything on that, it's really detrimental. Like it puts, you know, all your focus goes into that negativity. Whereas actually if you've got, you know, two more good candidates, you can think, oh, you know, bugger it, it didn't go my way, but you're focusing on those two people. And that, I think that really, really helps. But, you know, if resilience comes in many forms, I suppose. And you could, you know, look at the people I've hired over the years and, they would ha- all have so many different stories about why they're resilient. Um, really? Yeah. Okay. And it, it, do you know what? It's a really difficult thing to kind of like judge an interview. I know we all kind of like try and ask for examples. And yeah, it must be hard. It is. And you don't really get to understand somebody's true colors until they've perhaps been doing a job a while. I mean, for example, we've got the guy in, the guy in our office and he has just been so unlucky. Like everything's gone against him. Like he's had fine after fine after fine not going. And he's been with us probably about two months. And the guy comes in every day smiling the guy you know gets in first he leaves last and you just think you know what he will get it because yeah he he will do it's too easy to give up i think that's a really important thing to note that though isn't it like it's what you're talking about there is that it's the activities and the things that he's doing on a daily basis that gives you the confidence you know what actually he's hit the post a lot of times but he is he is gonna he is gonna get it and it is gonna click and it, it is gonna happen for him yeah definitely that's a really important thing that if it isn't happening for you, well, make sure that at least you're not, you are still doing the right activities and giving yourself every opportunity you can to get it right. Do you know what I mean? I think that's just, it's such an important, like that's what I got a lot of because I, as I openly say, I build fuck all in my first year. 24K, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like, I, I sat directly next to you and you own the business and he, he said to me, he shouldn't keep doing what you're doing. You've hit the post a lot, but like it's gonna pay off. I just know it is. Just keep doing what you're doing, and like I just think that's such an important thing to to make sure that you are doing. If you're having a struggling month, if you are having a bit of a shit year. But the one thing that really frustrates me is how people talk about recruitment being like it's really hard. Like recruitment is not hard. Like being successful is hard. Mm. And again, I made a post about this the other day. And you can look at sportsmen like. I mean, let, let's take a batsman in cricket. Like they could be absolutely on fire, and suddenly they go through a summer of just absolute turmoil yeah and you know the confidence drops an all-time low but or you know andy murray's two sets down yeah you you need to have that kind of it doesn't matter what job you do recruitment isn't tough that any job to be successful you have to work hard you have to kind of you know counter um you know not backs you have to work hard um just the differences in recruitment you can come from not doing it in like what having done it ever in two years be you know, prolific in the job. Yeah. Perhaps not prolific, but you know, but I know, so, you mean. I know certainly, you mean. certainly, you know, very capable. I know what you mean. Um, what's been some of the, the bigger learners that you've experienced having your own business, mate? What, what, how have you found that? Um, yeah. Yes. Yeah, do you know what running your own business is, as you know, uh, it, it, it's amazing. There's loads of highs. There's loads of lows. Um, as long as you keep like a really level head, mm. I, I think that's um, a good thing. Um, yeah, I could probably give you a million highs, could probably give you a million lows. <laughs> and it depends, you know, what happens in a day. Like we've just had a really good month and we've had a really good day and everyone's in a really good mood. And so I'm kind of feeling really positive about things. You know, equally I could go into the office on Monday and we've had X amount of dropouts or, you know, all, all our clients are, sh- you know, shut off hiring and I yeah. might have a very different yeah, um, I know you mean. outlook on it. And I think that's very typical of recruiters is, you know, when they're in a the job they don't like, 
they're really grumpy and they hate their life. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, shit, it's Thursday, Thursday, life's brilliant, go out and get pissed, Friday, bacon rolls, and it's the weekend. <laughs> and I think a lot of recruiters kind of forget, you know, even though they're unhappy in the role, they kind of don't do anything about it. And it kind of comes back to, back to that. Like, mm. it's... If, but if if you were speaking to someone that that was that, was, that listened to this podcast and <clears throat> they're thinking about starting their own agency, what what sort of comes to mind in terms of some of the things that you'd be speaking to them about, or 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 make sure that you got across that they knew or thought about before they start their own agency? Uh, look, without being too boring, cash flow is king. Yeah, um, it really is. So the amount of recruitment businesses I see who you know spend the fortune on entertainment you know taking their staff on amazing holidays amazing offices but yet they've got no money in the bank it doesn't make any sense for them so you know there'll be a situation for example if we had a downturn in the market you'll see a lot of companies go bust because they kind of live you know hand to mouth and it's month to month so cash flow is always king in any business aside from that it's just having a really clear um, vision and this isn't me kind of speaking from my own experience it's more kind of you know, meeting so many recruitment owners of businesses, looking at the successful ones and seeing what they do, they have a very clear vision of what they want to do. Mm. Um, and it's kind of right, this year we need to, you know, hire this many people, this is the markets we need to move in. And they know exactly what they're going to do. And uh, has that typically come from the beginning, you found? What's that, sorry? That, has that typically come, for the people you're talking about, has that typically come from, do you, do you know what I mean? Because that can be quite difficult to start, can't it? Yeah, there are, there are loads of businesses started off as lifestyle businesses. Yeah, and it's been and like, it's just like a couple of people in the room, done really well, you know, kind of found their way, just just enjoyed life. And they've kind of thought, actually, I want to establish something. And, you know, they've then built something a lot more kind of, um, not credible, but just professional and slick and, um, mm. you know, more structured. All right. Um. <laughs> what what is on this sort of company topic and stuff what's like the worst company perk that you've seen <laughs> the worst company perk I'm sure you've seen some bad ones oh. you've got to sell them mate that's a really difficult thing as a recruiter you wouldn't believe this but I'm only used to saying the best things about something <laughs> it's like yeah you want to join this business but this perk's really shit um, but just some of the things you've got no way is that like a selling point do you know what I mean uh yeah, free fruit really does my nut in. I'm yeah. like, we have free fruit in the office. And, why is that a perk? And but why is that a perk? Okay, another one is um, right uh, cycle to work. So basically, the company would buy your bike. That's something that the government set out as a mandatory, <laughs> as, a, as a mandatory thing. Like you don't have any option about it. So it, it, it's like, yeah, but the free fruit kind of gets me. It's like. <laughs> you know if you need to you know persuade someone to come and join you by buying them a 15p apple then, yeah uh, it's no, kind exactly. of like what just on this note I, I, again keen to get your thoughts i think what what do you think recruitment businesses need to as you said you place with over 100 recruitment businesses what do you think that people listening maybe they're recruiting for their team or whatever like what what do you think people can do way better to to make them stand do you know what I mean? everyone says they're different everyone says they're unique but what yeah th- yeah Look, um, yeah, so that was 116 last year. Like in terms of my career, I've probably placed well over like 400 businesses. Yeah. Um, but uh, in terms of salespeople are very simple individuals, I think. And I, look, I don't mean any offense by that. But what I mean by that is we buy of people we like. Yeah. And you can go for an interview with someone and they can give a very professional detail about what the business is and give you like a really amazing visionary. But if it's very static and it doesn't kind of, they don't engage with you on like a social level, 
you're never going to kind of win, I yeah. don't think. I think the best businesses um, who attract, you know, staff really well, they treat them as people. Mm. So they kind of like build really amazing relationships with them. They, uh, you know, show them, um, they're very honest. Yeah. Actually, candidates respond really well to honesty nowadays. It's really? like, look, this is what we really struggle with, or this is a candidate we've had, he's worked for six months, they really struggle. They didn't make a deal for the first five months, but this is how we developed them. This is how we brought them out the other side. And kind of giving honest case studies, I think yeah. is a really big thing. But the biggest thing is a candidate being able to visualize what it's like to work for that business before they've even started. Yeah. You know, it's amazing how many of my clients, for example, won't show a candidate around the office, which I think is bizarre. That's mental. If you're going to work, what, 10, 11 hours a day in yeah, the office. that is mental. It's like first day. Yeah, no, I was just keen to get, I think that, that's some really good points. There. I think what, what I've seen in the sort of world that I'm in now is what, what I've seen, I, I did a post about this the other day, like what I've seen being like, it's so simple, but it's been like really effective is like, if you're recruiting for your recruitment business and you're selling, you're allowing, like you just said there, visualize what it'd like to be worked there. And you can very easily allow me to have a bit of a window into rural recruitment. Do you know what I mean? If that's you um, showcasing the people in your business, celebrating their successes, being honest with some of the milestones that you've hit or some of the ones that you struggled to hit, for me, what I've seen, that's gone down actually really well. For me, I don't know if you agree with this, but for me, there's so many sort of business leaders and recruitment agencies that actually... They could be absolutely brilliant, but they actually don't have a face at all online. Yeah, it, they just look the same. Yeah, and that it's actually been crazy that I could be a recruitment business owner right now, and I could actually start taking pictures of when I bring out a birthday cake for someone's happy birthday, or just take a picture of people when they've hit a certain milestone or whatever, and that could actually then enable me to engage with some experienced hires. That yeah. is actually mental. Case study, case study is the most powerful way of selling, no doubt about mm. it. Because yeah, I mean, you, you can talk about. Um, about this and about that and you know to a candidate they know this at opposite a slick salesperson so yeah. you know that is always going to be fabricated and exaggerated to a degree but giving real life examples and i often think those examples coming from the individual themselves like is a is a really good powerful, thing yeah, is, yeah, is yeah. a more powerful thing um yeah de definitely but it's amazing how people many people don't kind of showcase you know their offering but it's equally amazing how many people do showcase their offering kind of and yet that's what they're all about. I call it this kind of Instagram era of recruitment where everyone's, you know, I'm not sure about you, but everyone I follow on Instagram, it's like, I'm on a beach, I'm skiing, I'm yeah, 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 a restaurant. Yeah, yeah. It's lacking oh, yeah. the honesty. There's not never like, fuck my kids up at like three o'clock in the morning and, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. or, you know, my milk's gone but you're sour. You're or, totally right to pick up on that because then it's like that honesty that really resonates with people because that's what, that's the reality of people's lives rather than just always being an Ibiza because we hit our big biller target. Yeah. Do you know the, what I mean? The problem is that every single recruitment business have those kind of incentives nowadays. Mm. So this is one of the difficult things for me as a rec to rec is actually approaching people and saying, look, you're in this business. I know what this business is to work for. Trust me, I really understand this market. There's not a million years I'd ever work for your business. There are a plethora of like businesses out there that are so much... I don't know, just they've got everything your business hasn't, like from support, from nice culture. They don't bash you with KPIs. They make yeah. you work 12 hours a day. They actually pay you and reward you. They want to pay out big paychecks. Yeah. Um, and it, it's kind of, but because there's so much publicity online, there's a real, I think there's a, a real difficulty of getting people to understand that there is that and the grass can be green, greener over, yeah, you're talking bollocks and you're just trying to sell me a role. Yeah, yeah. On this, just before we finish, I think again, I'm just thinking of like what people, what, how you can give a lot of value to people listening. Commission structures. Yeah. What's a good commission structure, mate? <laughs> it's funny because every single client I go to, they're always like, we I got think, the yeah, best commission, commission structure. structure. I, mean, look, look, I, say, 
I, I think it depends how you set your agency up. You know, some agencies will really incentivize um, you know, top billers. So for example, I've got a client who will pay you 50% for anything you bill above 500 grand. Really? They've got about three, four hundred, three, four, five hundred K billers. So they're be earning like 250, 300 grand a year. Whoa, wait, wait. they'll pay you 50% if you hit 500 K? On everything, which is exceptional. There are other recruitment businesses out there that will incentivize the masses. But if you're a really big biller, you're not going to get, you know, yeah. a, a, a massive well, kicker. Like a decent Look, the, 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 the rule is in, in a recruitment business is you should earn a third, a business should earn a third, okay. and a third should go on operation cost. Okay, so a third. A third is what you should earn. As so you should, if you're including look, your base, yeah, yeah. So look at your billings and be like, right, I should be earning about a third. That's a good sort of benchmark. Yeah, if you're not earning a third of your billings, then you're you're in the wrong business. Really? There's no doubt about it. Yeah. What's basic salary? I feel like this has gone up so yeah, when absolutely. I was in recruitment. Look, what's look, the crap? What's the crap with that? Well, I, I just, look, the, the market as that we've mentioned before is so saturated. Companies are kind of thinking, you know, how do we track people? And base salary is obviously one of the easiest ways. Um, I mean, base salaries in recruitment have not gone up a huge amount. Over the years, I mean, when I first started in recruitment, I think I was paid about 16K base, but I was like 16 years ago. My yeah, rent was, I, I started on like a 17K base. Yeah, my rent was £400 uh, a month. I lived in a really nice muse house in Wandsworth Common. <laughs> like, I reckon if you pay £400 a month now, you'd be in the oh. garage and, yeah, you mate, know, yeah. yeah. Uh, but so like, what, 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 again, I think, again, you're in a unique position, do you know what I mean? People may not know this. Yeah. Decent base. What's that so, like these days? So uh, the top end of the kind of the graduate market is paying around about 25K. I'd say the average is around about 22, 23. Um, some of the years experience, 28, 30. But this is where recruitment consultants- The years experience, 28, 30. But this is what I was about to say. Sorry. There's so many different permutations because you could have someone with two years experience in recruitment yeah. who bills 300 grand a year. Yeah. And you could feasibly have someone with two years experience in recruitment who bills 80 grand a year. So it's so down to yeah, you know course. to the level they yeah, bill yeah, at yeah, yeah. you know and also you know how much business they bring in yeah but, but yeah but salary salary you know basic salaries have gone up you know dramatically really okay I think I think I just think again because recruitment again go back to what we we're talking about earlier and talking about recruitment becoming career yeah that's true it's not so much you know when I started it was all about low low base salaries high you know commission Commission's opportunities estate agency style yeah and and, and nowadays like. That doesn't wash people actually, you know, because recruitment is starting to compete against, you know, professional services, you know, jobs and, you know, other jobs. But I think people are seeing it more as career and therefore they want the base salary that comes with that a little bit. Okay. Before, um, (coughs) before I ask you sort of what you're excited about and stuff and we finish, what 2020 and beyond, what, what are you thinking, mate? How does next year look like recruitment wise? Do you know what? (laughs) The, the there's so many clients saying they're looking next year already and they've got really big kind of aggressive uh, um, kind of expansion plans and that's really exciting like really exciting um, you know the overall recruitment market in the UK looks like, like it's going to expand yeah. um, I, I ask my clients about Brexit you know all the time and so many companies have kind of you know tried to um, mitigate themselves from those kind of uh, downturns in the market by you know working Europe or working this you know in America or working you know high level roles that are going to be necessary uh, you know they're going to still be out there um, but yeah I think 2020 2020 looks good um, there's not there's not many people who are saying yeah it looks like it's the, yeah, the yeah. world's about That's to fall good. apart so before I ask you the final question what um, what are you excited about mate What's going on in your world that you want to shout about? What's, what's going on? Oh God, that's a really difficult question. I, 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 <laughs> my life is recruitment. So <laughs> I don't, yeah. What are you excited about? You, obviously, you've got... So anyone that has it, so it's 37, isn't it? 
Sorry? It's the videos that you did. What oh, around the office in 37 questions, yeah. So if anyone hasn't seen around the office in 37 questions, I thought they were brilliant. Thank you. Um, but yeah, well, like, what, I don't know, is there anything you want to shout about? What are you excited about that's going on in your world? Um, look, I, I think we've got some exciting plans at Rural next year. Um, we're kind of trying to train the guys um, to, to work a much more senior level market because the demand in you know recruitment for senior professionals it's got to be the most buoyant recruitment market there is. Really, uh, and I, I, yeah, I think there are a lot of people working in the industry, but there aren't a lot of people who perhaps you know are, are up to the level where they've got can add as much value. Um, you know, in, in, in terms of um, you know other things. <laughs> That's yeah, that's it. That's it. You put me on the spot. Machine. I'm no, trying to, no, I'm no. trying to think. I mean, plugged in to talk about recruitment. So like, anything else? Yeah. No. Last question, then. Yeah, of course. If you could communicate to every single recruit out there, they take on your advice, they listen, they implement it. Could be a phrase, a word. What would you say, mate? No, I'm sorry, I can't do this in words. So brace yourself, everyone. Um, I suppose is you know listen to your own advice. I think recruiters are really scared about being caught, or or, or scared that there isn't something out there. I think if you've got a notion that you're not working for the right recruitment business, it doesn't mean recruitment's not for you. And we speak mm. to so many recruiters who say, yeah, I've done recruitment. I just fucking hate it. Excuse me, my language. Um, and, um, and I'm like, just because, look, if I went for an Indian and I had a really bad Indian, it, wouldn't, it certainly wouldn't put me off Indian yeah, for the rest yeah. of my life. And I think being open enough to kind of think, you know what, I'm going to go have a look at another four or five agencies and see what's out there. And if you come away and think, you know what, it's not for me, then walk away. But you know, I think sometimes knowing what you don't want in life helps you know what you do want. Yeah. And if you actually think, you know, wow, like I can't believe how different that recruitment agency is to my recruitment agency because that's the biggest thing I get speaking to people of like two, three years experience. They can't actually believe how different it is mm. um, to, to their own kind of experience. So I kind of just say, look, if you've got any doubts, go and have a look at the market. You don't have to commit to anything, but just knowing what you don't want will help you know what yeah. you want. No, I think that's great advice, mate. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, James. Cheers, buddy. I really <laughs> enjoyed it. Thank you.